0: Welcome friends, our today's book is Unsold Mindset, Selling Without Selling. So if I ask you to imagine the best salesman or or a salesman itself, or a manager or sales manager, then the image you are going to get in your mind may be someone like pushy, manipulative, and sleazy, dishonest, persuasive, or seduce you on the last end, but that also, that perception is not wrong, that is correct because we are training our salespeople in that way and this book written by two teachers in the business school will come to them. They are trying to change that mindset because that's not getting successful, so this book after you have the summary you will understand sales as more authentic and more optimistic in a growth mindset and you will fall in love with your product with your customer and within yourself and you will be more like a teammate than someone who is coaching the customer. You will be someone who transform it rather than transact it and on the last you'll be more creative in the selling pursuits. So that's all about that book. So let's get started. We are all selling. That means it is not only salesman or a sales manager or a VP of sales is selling. It's not ending there. It's not the CEO, even the board members to even anyone in the company, including HR or logistics all are selling and it's not ending in the business. Even outside the business, the politicians are selling, the philosophers are selling. Even you are selling with your friends. Don't take it wrong, just stay with me. Even the mother or, or the kid or the kid he want to go out of play instead of doing homework, he is selling. And psychologically, we are selling. So, in general, this is someone for sure, for someone who is in sales. Sure. But it's not only ending there, it's for everyone. The universal applicability, because we are selling ourselves to everything, everywhere, every time. So, let's get started. So, the book is published by Harper Business, written by Colin Goggins and Garrett Brown, they are actually sales leaders, uh, and entrepreneurs actually, and practitioners also. They teach the sales mindset for entrepreneurs in University of Southern California, Marshall School of Business. So, based on their understanding that course and teaching, they are giving us all those insights in the book. Chapter 1. You Can't Act Authentic Because, as we mentioned, the first problem when you are making sales as something pushy and manipulative is you are going to be inauthentic. So, unsold mindset is all about authentic selling. Authenticity or inauthenticity is actually a turn-off. You are rejecting your persona, you are acting. You don't like fakes, even when you are faking. So you yourself don't like to be faking. So how other one will be? So the point is that it's something like a vicious cycle of inauthenticity. Because we try to copy that inauthenticity, keep on doing that. So it will become a vicious cycle and you will get lost out of it. You will feel like, why I'm not getting successful in selling? Why I'm not able to sell it? All these things will can come in mind and it will not end up. So authenticity is not only for extroverts, it's for everyone. You will appreciate authenticity from any supplier or any seller. Even you will appreciate it not only from a salesman, you will appreciate that one from a teacher, from a student from a fellow member on your team or even your friend. But sure, there are some boundaries for authenticity. You don't have to be open up everything, but you should be authentic in your own pursuits. That's important. It's something so you can, you should learn to authentic authentic or or authentic way of transaction. The point is that it's something like you are learning to meditate. In the first, you will not be able to do it. Slowly, slowly, you will not, you will get something into somewhere there like that. Similarly, you try to start doing it. Initially, you will not be able to do it, but slowly, you will get master yourself on that. So, authenticity is actually important and that the first step for the unsold mindset. Selling without the shame or regret of selling. Chapter 2 Intentional ignorance is a bliss. You are not supposed to know everything. Nobody is supposed to do so also. So the intentional ignorance is first of all, you don't have to know everything for selling, even if you are selling anything. Like if I am trying to sell this plant or a microphone or anything. Even I am selling myself to you, because I'm sharing this knowledge, I'm transacting, if you like this, you'll stay with me for the whole video. Otherwise, you'll skip and go to other videos or anything like that. So that's that's what I mean, is that even if I'm teaching this or talking about this selling to me, I don't have to know everything about that. Same thing for you also. So intentional ignorance is that, suppose you're going to sell a real estate. You don't have to know everything about plumping or construction or concreting or civil engineering and all to do the selling. You only have to know what is important for you. Focus on truly what matters to you. That's important. So staying ignorant on something which you're not interested in. That's the best rule of thumb for that. Usually salespeople, they overwhelm the customers with a lot of information. They think that if you push a lot of information, if you show yourself as an expert in front of the customer, that is what it means to be successful selling. But that's not the case. You have to appreciate the intelligence of that customer. Maybe he knows more than about that particular product. Most of the case, in another way, not in the way you are learning. You will be trained by your sales associate or your manufacturers and all. They have a different realm of things or they would have talked to some other sellers before or any other means. So knowledge, we live in an information age especially. So this rule is always important. Intentional ignorance is bliss. You can always tell I don't know for something. You only have to stay important or focus on what is truly matter to you. Also, another part is staying fresh. You don't have to always make a repetitive, like, like a, in a recorded session of sailing. You can always be improvising on that, staying fresh. Maybe they trained you something, it's like what Picasso has told that, You should understand all the rules, then you break the rules. Simple as that. So, the point here is that try to understand the training or capture everything. Then stay fresh. stay. Try to just improve yourself and all. And practice intentional ignorance responsibly. That's important also. Because there are some occasions where you have to know something. So, you should be responsible enough on that but you can be intentionally ignorant on a lot of things. So that way you'll focus on that Pareto principle like 8020. Focus on what is truly important. Somehow that intentional ignorance or that selling is author is trying to authors are trying to make it something like a dharma. Like love, it is something like an intersection of what you love, what you are good at, and what the world needs. So that is where the Dharma intersection is coming and you focus on that. So, conclusion, you don't have to do it, know everything. Just focus on what you important and then proceed. Chapter 3 Growing into an unsold mindset. Point is that there are two types of mindset. Maybe we talk or we learn a lot about it. Even we talk much on our channel also. Carol Deck has a famous theory about growth mindset and a fixed mindset. The people with a fixed mindset, they think that everything is limited. Growth mindset, they'll try to improve and hone their skills and that's that's what simply all about that. But the point here in selling is that shifting the definition of success in selling. Like you're going to make a sales to a particular customer maybe most of the time you will get a no or you will be postponed or procrastinated whatever is the thing they will try to tell you okay come next time or they have more questions all this so success we have to shift the definition of success we should in to do that you have to have that growth mindset instead of fixed mindset fixed mindset they will have the resistance to change they will externalize the issues, they will have blames, they'll blame the customer and all these things. But in opposite, if you have a growth mindset, you will try to learn from that customer how he is behaving, what is his body language is telling, how he's explaining also, try to learn from everything from everyone. So instead of having that victim mentality, try to have an abandoned mind mentality. So, you should try to learn from the customer, at the end you will be able to understand everything that the customer is thinking. So, you will think with it, you will try to tune with that customer or customers, then it's like a one mind, you are transactioning. So, you are transcending to that different level, instead of doing the transaction or transforming, you are transcending in that sales pursuit. Then, reframing rejection, as I mentioned, you don't have to take it personally, the rejection. Rejections can be many reasons which you don't know. So the one way is to take it, there are bad no's and good no's. The point is that you have to have some cognitive reappraisal to find positive in the good or adversities. Example, say, you have been fired from a job. So, that particular moment, you will be having mostly disappointed and all. But maybe because of that reason, you started a company and now you are successful. So, now when you look back, that adversity is actually a gifted moment for you. So, in other way, you don't have to be in that moment. Try to find alternate ways of thinking. Try to put multiple perspective on that. So that way you will be able to appreciate and re yourself and finding positive in the adverse moment. Most of the time we have infinite possibilities. Even the whole universe is living on infinite possibilities and it is following quantum mechanics. So celebrate the process, not the outcome. Change your vocabulary. Even in your self-talk, try to change the vocabulary yourself. You, your best customer is yourself. If you are not selling to you, you cannot sell it to anyone else. Chapter 4. Pathological Optimism. Or something like an epidemic or, or, or somewhere some like that. It's spreading. It's a pathological optimism. It's just like a whirlwind. Human whirlwind, something you feel like when you met an enthusiastic salesman. That's the Joe Girard, the famous uh, car salesman who has Guinness record and all, people call him human whirlwind. So coming to our topic, pathological optimism, it's actually more contributed by Marty Seligman. You know him, maybe he is the founder of uh, positive psychology and all. So, learned helplessness and all, if you are following psychology, you will understand So, despite challenges, we should always be optimistic because every moment is giving us special memory, even that is an adverse moment. So, optimist will be more realistic, there will be more realism on that. You don't have to take an, a situation as it is, you can make it optimistic. That's a point. So Marty Seligman was being being hired by MetLife, the famous um, medical company, to improve their sales. What he found is that the salesmen who were optimistic were more successful than who is proficient or having high proficiency. So because we are naturally hardwired to negative things because of our survival instincts and all and we remember losses more than our accomplishment. The so negativity, as per Seligman, he tried to, it will actually undermine our improvement efforts. Seligman here proposes a disputation. So, dispute yourself. What do you are having a self-talk with you? That is not actually you. You can have a disputation with them. So, disputation is actually a counter evidence. Try to it's just something like you have a martial court inside you or a judicial court inside you and yourself. Then dispute and try to find counter-evidence to the negative beliefs. So starting with yes—that's another way to put it—is that because there are some some examples given in the book where a painter is going to an ex-sales to an exhibition or something. So, try to make your success as small as possible. For example, you have 100 paintings to sell. So, first selling is only what you are expecting. So, your expectation, you put it very low. So, that is something like a starting with yes. What is the success of a particular sales interaction? Maybe just sharing an information to a customer is a sales or, or a success then you already have that yes. So then, it will be like a pathological optimism. And another way to put it, every prospect you can consider as a customer, even he is not buying anything or even he is not consuming for you. So somehow, gratitude contributes to optimism. It can be two-way, acute gratitude which is on that moment, and you can have a scaled gratitude based on your past and your pu- future that's also contribute to long term success so that's all about optimism in sales it's more about uncertainty and all these things but in all that context authors are telling optimism is pathological it will actually make you successful and same way it will affect your customers as well Chapter 5, Fall in Love Actually. So, Barbara Fredrickson have an interesting book about the same thing about love and all. So, the point is that falling in love, that micro moments of warmth and connection is actually foundation for all love. So, you don't have to consider love, quote-unquote, as romantic and platonic. That having a different hormones and all, but you can love a lot of things otherwise also. So, positive emotions, you don't have to be having that taboo on love. You, the whole universe is loving and the whole nature is loving itself also. So, positive emotions, even in the work situations, actually work. You can love your selling, you can love your product, you can love your customer. And you can love a lot of things as well. So the point is that there is a something called traditional three by three principle. What it's that's an old principle talking about before you talk to a customer, you should talk, think about three things about that, and then talk to that customer, three things what matters to the customer and all. But here the authors are trying to put it in a different way: love three by three, trying to understand what it what the customer love and focus on the quality over the outcome of that. I just tried to be more genuine on that versus uh, like genuine way of asking that one. Something called the Larry King effect and all. We'll explain that. So, Larry King was a famous celebrity. He was once uh, interviewed by a, a lady and they, she was very much uh, concerned about how to interview such a big celebrity and all. And Larry King comfort her by talking some personal questions where there or this or, or some we call it small talks and all. So, the point what he's telling is that others are telling sharing information leads to reciprocity. As some Robert Cialdini and all, if you understand about persuasions and all, you understand where reciprocity is coming. But author is trying to, it's, we are not going to persuasion persecution or some seduction or something. But the opposite, when you share a reciprocity or when you give something to someone, automatically a human tendency to reciprocate or give back that one. So, sharing information, that will lead them to just share more information about themselves. So, there is something like a mutual vulnerability I am vulnerable, so that's why I am sharing such deep information. So, that mutual vulnerability becomes some common ground. So, they'll have a deep understanding and they'll be able to just uh, express themselves more. They'll be more vulnerable enough. So, that way, it will be more than transactional. It will become transformal, transformative like that. So, something like a mutual discovery is happening. Deep listening is happening and co-creation is happening there. So, wholeheartedly we are in love with what we are selling. So, also, like it's used to tell that if you are selling a product, first you should become its best customer. You should become its first enthusiast or first marketing person. If you cannot sell that, whatever you are selling, say if you are selling say, this e-reader, for example. To do that, first of all, I should be convinced with how good it is and what are his benefit and all this. I should be convinced enough or you should find reasons to convince yourself. If you cannot sell yourself, it is very rare or you can sell that to someone else. Chapter 6. Be a teammate, not a coach or not just a coach because we previously told that, be a coach, but something a step ahead, be a teammate. So usually, when you are selling to a customer, it's like me and the world, It's something like that. Me versus world or me versus the whole customer or the whole competition, all these things. But here, that actually distrusts and hinder genuine connections. So when, Pursuition or pursuing something, that becomes something like a coercion, you are pushing that one, you are making some self, someone to buy, instead, if you make yourself genuinely like that, we are both one team, like a same team mentality or even you consider yourself, they don't have to think it that way, even the customer. You already become their teammate, you are part of that project or that endeavor. Because most of the time you are selling something, they are going to build something, especially when it is a big thing, like, okay, you want to, or you are a real estate salesman, you are selling to someone who wants a home. You become yourself as the member of that home. Then, the whole selling dynamics will change. You will think like them. You can advise like they are advising like a team member inside. So that actually, that sales process becomes something like a collaborative effort. So true empathy is actually will come from there. It is more about caring about that customer. So in short, act like a teammate. Act like a member, not just a coach. That whole process itself is fulfilling. The, what When we are trying to be a teammate, the best essential thing is that find a common ground with your customer. Make genuine sacrifices, even small, because to benefit the customer, that can shift the dynamics. Customer appreciate knowing that you invested in their success. That's really important because it's something like you are become a part or, or another way consider your customer as your partner, not just a customer. If you are running your business, how you treat your partner, same way treat your customer. So, embrace that dream, team, same team mentality or partner mentality, then the process of sales will be more fulfilling. Chapter 7. Transform don't just transact. Because in sales, we expect as much as in return what is given. It is not only in sales, actually. For example, if you have a question about loving someone, you naturally will ask, imagine a stranger. You cannot do that because they are not started loving you. That's a main hindrance in thinking about that. Another way, we always consider in a sales a perceived value. What it generally means is that, what is the perceived value of a product to a customer is that, how much is a perceived cost and that cost is value should outweigh that. So, focus on changing the customer perception on that. It is not like you are just changing with some facts or something, there will be something which customer is not aware of. So, aim to provide some substantiate and provide qualitative value beyond that immediate transactions. Try to check or, or ask impactful question to understand where the customer is standing and try to attend that. So, there is something called 120 principle. So what it means is that, When you ask $20 in return, you have to at least provide $100 of value. So, you provide $100 value for every $20 you are asking. That's a good rule of thumb. So, transform, not transact. Chapter 8. Creative Selling Maybe it's like something like a caveat here. Because we have a myth about creativity in sales. Generally, we have a myth about creativity. Creativity is for, for creative people. There are some genre of people, they are the people who are creative, but that's a myth. Everyone, every human being is creative in its own context. Also, another myth is that creativity is for people who have right brainers. There are some talking, but the research is telling, that's wrong. And creativity requires artistic output. Also wrong. Problem solving and even the survival is creative. So there are a lot of benefits of Like for example, I am trying to make, how to make things better way of summarizing this book. So That's not generally creating anything specific creative output. It's just like an MP4 video or whatever is a video uploading to the YouTube. But there is some level of creativity I'm trying to add. Nobody can judge how good it is. I cannot tell it is good or bad. It's at the end, whoever is on the other end listening to that. So there are a lot of benefits on that. So creativity is on every pursuit. You can be creating, a creative in the way you are walking, you are talking, you are transacting. So something like a growth mindset. Is again coming back here, and you can be a little more creative in your or improvising in your efforts. Something extending to that, because we were early suppressed of creativity in our school education system and all. So there should be you should find your ways to ignite creativity in yourself. Or try to find opportunity yourself and rewrite the rules and find a new pathway. It is not like you should not obey the rules. Find new rules by obeying the existing rules or bring, or another way to put it, bring your hobby to work. Because when you are doing hobby, mostly people will be more creative. But if you put take that hobby back to your work, then you will be somehow considering your your work also is not just like a work. You will try to be more artistic and improve or you will be more passion is on that work rather than just doing for something. So you love your work, your passion and there You also can find creative collaborators because not all the people working there, they're just working because even Chiksan Mihai told that the people who are in flow They are not just working because they are getting paid or something. Because they are loving themselves. And in that endeavor, on that process itself, they are getting fulfilling. That's what it means. So let your mind wander. You don't have to be just on that then. And try to put six hats. This is something about perspective and all. But when you're trying to find creative, don't always look at it on your own lens try to take six more lenses or try to put six more hats and then try to think it. So chapter nine, this is the final chapter, set goals on a purpose or you should be having somehow purposeful. It's not like a nine to five job, like you should be doing something important. For example, uh, maybe we explain this multiple times, you can consider like NASA when they were doing the Apollo mission and all, a janitor was sweeping and John F. Kennedy told that or John F. Kennedy asked him what are you doing and the janitor told that I am just sweeping to send the first man to the moon. So there will be two ways you can treat their job. First he is just doing just cleaning. Another way he is cleaning to send the first man to the moon. Same way you may be selling a real estate or you may be creating a building, but you are you can make that thing extrapolated in a right way because whatever you're doing, it is actually reciprocating or or multiply multiplying yourself exponentially. You are contributing to a higher cause. You can find it. So Oprah Winfrey is an example. Because she was identifying life purpose as a teacher. Opera has faced a lot of setbacks. She was even fired from his broadcasting job and all. But she got an epiphany when she was having an interview that had led her to decide as television as a platform. So she used as a platform to fulfill her purpose as a teacher. And she decided she'll be more authentic. She don't have to have that fake. And you know where Opera is now. She is selling her ideas, her teaching to the whole world than any other person in the world. So, something like that. So traditional sales set to financial targets, somehow deep motivate, it's more fear driven, it's more target driven and all. But if you have a purpose, if you love, if you be optimistic, and you have a pathologically optimistic and all these things, To transform and transcend the customer, sales is a fulfilling job. So, that's the end of the book. If you enjoy or if you read the book, please let us know your feedback and all. And we suggest one more book from our channel, Clear Thinking by Shen Parish, if you like this book. I hope that book also will be interesting for you. Until then, bye for now.